just so excited to see you this morning and this morning as we um, 
prepare for the Christmas season, all of our songs really revolve around the preparation that's needed in our hearts. So just enjoy, take it all in um, as we prepare for Christmas Day. of God and Son of Man, 
born to suffer, born to save, born to raise us from the grave. Christ the everlasting Lord, He shall reign forevermore. No to heaven's door 
Thank you. We're going to have the Advent reading now. Conrad is actually back in his office and will be giving the sermon from there this morning. There will be a bit of a law between Marilyn um, saying the Advent till we can get transitioned over to the um, video feed. So Marilyn, would you come up and talk? Seeing Jesus, will we choose to worship him? God sees. He sees those who others miss. The unnoticed, the unacknowledged, the undervalued, the unloved. He saw the wise men, pagan astrologers from the east, scholarly foreigners from an enemy land, seekers of Jesus, of whom little else is known, and God sees you. Would you take a moment to let that truth sink in? God sees you. Yes, you. Right now, your heart, your worries, your circumstances, the number of hairs on your head. And God yearns for you to see him to notice him, to acknowledge him, to value him, and to love him. That's why he sent Jesus as the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature, God with skin. But how? How do we see Jesus? The wise men Show us how. The Magi saw a star in the east, and their quest for the king of the Jews led them to Jerusalem, where they inquired of Herod about the whereabouts of the Christ child. Disturbed, Herod learned of the prophecies from the chief priest and directed the wise men to Bethlehem. To the immense delight of the Magi, the star they had seen in the east went before them until it stood over the house of Mary and Joseph. Like Mary, the wise men chose to believe. The Magi were not merely fascinated with the extraordinary sign in the heavenlies, but with the meeting of the star. As foreigners, they believed in the king of the Jews long before most Israelites recognized who he was. Ironically, pagan astrologers informed Herod, the king, of the game-changing birth in his very own country. Like the shepherds, the wise men chose to find Jesus. The Magi did not settle for a star. Their belief in who the star represented motivated a vigilant search where is he? Became their dominant preoccupation as they gathered exquisite treasures and set out to find the Christ child for themselves. If the wise men traveled from Persia 
the distance would have been over 1,400 miles to Bethlehem. But why? What was the purpose of the wise men's long, strenuous, and costly journey? Where is he who has been born King of the Jews? For we have see his star in the east and have come to worship him, says Matthew 2, 2. The Magi set out on their long, strenuous, and costly journey with one aim in mind, to worship Jesus. And after they came into the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they fell down and worshipped him. Matthew 2:11. What a sight that must have been. Grown men from a foreign land were laying face down before the Christ child as a toddler. Jesus was over one decade away from astounding the rabbi in the temple with his wisdom. He was over three decades away from his first miracle. But the Magi honored Jesus' deity when he was only one or two years old. They worshiped him for who he was before they saw what he would do. How do we see Jesus? We choose to worship him. Worship redirects our attention away from ourselves and our circumstances to the Lord God Almighty. Worship reminds us that no matter what we are facing, Jesus is always greater. Nothing prepares and positions our heart to see Jesus more than worship. Revelations 5.12 says, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor, glory and praise. Will you choose to worship God for who he is right now in this very moment? And by faith, will you choose to worship Jesus before you see how he will answer your prayers? Before your problems are solved. Following the example of the wise men, what gift or gifts will you offer Jesus this year? Following the example
very, very limited knowledge, it's this year. If there's any year that's taught us how quickly we can divide from one another, it's this year. If there's any year that's taught us that we have no idea what the future holds, it's this year. In so many ways, what has happened this year has stripped us of almost everything familiar to us, of the landmarks that we are so accustomed to getting through our lives. This has left us, if we're honest, it has left us disoriented, it has left us frightened at times, it has left us anxious. We're in a place we have never been before. I would have preached that a year ago, but we had no idea this is what lie ahead. That we were going to a place we had never been before. Some days it feels to me like we're just in a different country. That we're in a different place than we used to be. This Advent season has been drier than usual for me. I love Advent. Um, but I think it's part of all of the disorientation of where we're at. The sense that someone on the leadership team, ministry team this week shared that it feels like we are in winter. And obviously we are in winter, this week reminded us of that, but we're in winter in so many other ways as well, it feels like. On Thursday morning, when I got up, Heidi suggested to me that I listen to a podcast by Pete Scazzaro from December 8th. And um, it was the beginning of a day that began to shift the way I was seeing what was happening, shift the way I was seeing the world around me. And I'm deeply appreciative of Heidi's recommendation that I listen to that. He begins by telling the story that some of you may be familiar with, that actually I think was a book written by a mom who had a child with Down syndrome. And she talks about the story and uses the analogy of what it's like to plan a trip to Italy, to buy guidebooks to Italy, to look forward to going to Italy, to see the sights and places of Italy, the glamour of Italy. But as you get on the plane and as you land, that, that plane lands, it ends up landing in Holland. And you realize you'll never get to Italy, that where you're living is Holland. And as she says, there's nothing wrong with Holland, but it's a very different place than Italy. It has its own beauty, it has its own uniqueness, but it's very different than Italy. And so suddenly, on the fly, you have to adjust to being in Holland. And if you think about this year, it has been daily being on the fly, right? Every day we've had to adjust to something, uh, or every week, that we've not had to adjust to before. It leaves us disoriented, it leaves us anxious, it leaves us frightened. And I don't think any looking forward to 2021 means it's not all going to go away. I think we have settled into a recognition that we don't know what the future holds, that we have limited knowledge, that we are not in control. Later that day, I had this image of being in a field and of knowing the pathway that I wanted to go to get where I needed to go. But what I got to, when I was walking through the field, there were obstacles all over the place. And I kept having to move. I kept having to move. I couldn't go through the obstacles. I couldn't go around them. I couldn't go under them or over them. I had to go around them. But it was a field of obstacles. And in many ways, again, that's what this year has, has felt like to us. We have to make mid-level corrections, mid-course mid, mid corrections, that we don't really know what the outcome is going to be. In some ways, this is exactly, in fact, I would say not in some ways, this is exactly where God wants us to be. 
God wants us to be in this moment where we recognize that we are not in control, that we don't know what the future holds, that our options are so limited and our knowledge is limited. And I'd like to look with you at three scriptures this morning that I think speak to this sense of where we are as we end this year. Next week, Jonathan Keener will be preaching, and so this is my last opportunity for this year with you as we end the year to reflect on where we've been. And of course, it's always the scripture that gives us comfort. It's always the scripture uh, that brings us back to where we need to be. It's always the Bible. It's always God's word. And so we're going to look at three passages. The first one is Psalm 77. If you have your Bible, you can turn with me to that. If not, I'm going to be reading a number of verses from Psalm 77. Psalm 77 is the psalm that I spent the week in as I got up in the morning to meet with the Lord. And I'm going to read again parts of it. I cried out to God for help. I cried out to God to hear me. When I was in distress, I sought the Lord. At night, I stretched out untiring hands, and my soul refused to be comforted. I remembered you, O God, and I groaned. I mused, and my spirit grew faint. You kept my eyes from closing. I was too troubled to speak. I thought about the former days, the years of long ago. I remembered my songs in the night. My heart mused, and my spirit inquired, Will the Lord reject forever? Will he never show his favor again? Has his unfailing love vanished forever? Has his promise failed for all time? Has God forgotten to be merciful? Has he in anger withheld his compassion? You get the sense that the psalmist or the sons of Asaph here have landed in Holland or somewhere even worse than Holland. Not that Holland is bad, but somewhere other than Holland. Landed in a place where they feel totally abandoned by God. They're not abandoned by God. That's the reality. But we all can identify with being in that space where we wonder why has God seemed to have forget, forgotten to be merciful to us? Why is it that he seems to be withholding his compassion? Why is it that he seems to be withholding his direction when we can't see the way ahead of us, when we don't seem to have what we need? Why is it that we are left in this uncertainty, in this disorientation? And I'm sure if you're honest, you can identify this year at the end of the year with some of what the psalmist is saying. God, where have you been? God, where are you at? God, where will you be? And then it's as if the psalmist gets a hold of himself or herself and says, then I thought in verse 10, to this I will appeal. The years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. I will meditate on all your works and consider all your mighty deeds. Your ways, O God, are holy. What God is so great is our God. You are the God who performs miracles. You display your power among the peoples. With your mighty arm, you redeemed your people, the descendants of Jacob and Joseph. The waters saw you, O God. The waters saw you and writhed. The very depths were convulsed. The clouds poured down the water. The skies resounded with thunder. Your arrows flashed back and forth. Your thunder was heard in the whirlwind. Your lightning lit up the world. The earth trembled and quaked. Your path led through the sea. Your way through the mighty waters, though your footprints were not seen. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. Someday we will look back on our lives, on this, on this life, on this year, on whatever next year holds, and we will find that, in fact, if we trusted God, 
if we continued to hold to God, have faith in God, that he had led us through, even though we couldn't see his footprints. That even though we couldn't see his footprints in advance, he had found his way for us through the water, through the obstacle course that we were in. That is always the hope of us who follow Jesus. That there is one who is not surprised by this year. There is one who's not surprised by the obstacles. There is one who's not surprised by what we're experiencing. And in fact, I have preached for a long, long time that we will receive gifts in the midst of suffering and pain and difficulty that we would not receive otherwise. And that when we get to glory, we will thank God that we received those gifts despite the pain. And in fact, the pain will be nothing at that point anymore. The pain, the suffering, the difficulty, the obstacle course will be nothing anymore compared to the gift that is in front of us. And so there are going to be, you will see down the road, folks, there are going to be gifts that you received this year that you never received before. One of the gifts that we're receiving is the fact that every year we get up here and we say, oh, Christmas is so busy. There's so much commercialism. There's so much going on. There's so many family gatherings. Wouldn't it be nice if, well, here we are, folks. And the question for me is, are you complaining? Am I complaining about that? Am I feeling down and out about that? Or am I saying, you know what? This is exactly where God wants us to be. This is exactly the moment where we get the opportunity this week coming up to perhaps, and I hope for you, I'll have a little more time than we had before. To have a a Christmas that's a little bit simpler than we had before. We've been stripped of an awful lot of stuff. We've been humbled by what has happened this year. But the reality is, and the truth is, that God is leading us as much as he was last year. He hasn't changed, and his direction hasn't changed. His pathway hasn't changed. There is a pathway through the sea. I've said this recently, but Heidi and I always, when we meet with some of those of you who are struggling with uncertainty or doubt or a new diagnosis, or a couple that's getting married, always say, whatever you face, God has a pathway. Whatever you face, God has a pathway. He will never, ever leave you alone. He will never, ever leave you without direction. That's not who he is. It's totally against his character. He couldn't be God if he abandoned you. He wouldn't be God if he abandoned you. The reality is he has as much a pathway in front of you this year looking forward as he did last year. We got through it. We're here. Some of us are more beat up than others. Some of us are, you know, whatever, but we're here. There's been a pathway for us. And his path will continue through the sea in front of us. I'd like you to turn with me to Philippians 2 if you have your Bibles with you. And we're going to look at someone else who found out they were in Holland and not Italy anymore. And uh, you can quibble with those countries, but uh, they're what I'm going to use for now. Philippians chapter 2, 1 to 11. And of course, this one who landed in Holland is Jesus. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit... If any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. I'd like us to think for a moment about this year 
And think for a moment about Paul's instruction as we struggled with whether to wear masks or not wear masks, with people who chose to wear masks or not wear masks, on and on and on with people who were on our political party or no political party or their political party, whatever the case, the words of Paul and the encouragement for Paul and the instruction for Paul don't change. Do nothing out of selfish ambition. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. But in humility, consider others better than yourselves. I'd like you to think again, just what is the Lord saying to you this morning and to me about this year? And about what it looks like to live this way this year. What it looks like to live this way the next year. To do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. But in humility, consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. This, and I keep hearing this from pastors and church leaders, this year has been a gut check for the church. I've already shared that multiple denominations are looking at a large percentage of their leaders leaving next year. They're close to retirement and they're saying we're done. We can't manage this anymore. The division is too great. The polarization is too great. We've had it. We have in so many ways not been what Paul calls us to be and who Christ was in this year. I'm not pointing fingers at any person. It's been a collective thing. It's been a spirit among us as followers of Jesus where we've not lived doing nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, where we've not been humble in considering others better than ourselves, when we've not looked out for the interest of others more than our own. One of our bishops, who I deeply admire in Lancaster Conference, Steve Weaver, who's vice chair vice moderator of the conference, said, Church, it's time to repent. It's time to repent for the way we've behaved this year. It's time to repent for the way we've treated one another this year. It's time to repent for the way we've looked to other things other than Jesus this year. He wrote strong words in calling the church to repent. For the reality, as Paul says, our attitude should be that of the Christ Jesus who being very nature God, and if you think about the most glorious place you've ever been or can imagine being, he came from there to here. Who being in very nature God, through in and throughout he was God, but did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. This is the first hymn we think that the church had. This was sung. These were words we assume were sung, a hymn that the church would sing together on Sunday morning about Christ their Lord, who in very nature, who in very nature being God, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant. Being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death 
we hear these words, they flow over us, we hear them every year, more than once a year, and we just kind of forget what happened. But think about it with me. The analogy of landing in Holland rather than Italy is nothing compared to what Jesus did. It's nothing to where, compared to the vulnerability that Jesus had in coming to earth to be with us in our pain, in our darkness, in our despair, in our disorientation. And being in found appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, <clears throat> even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Folks, this is our model. This was our model 2,000 years ago. This is still our model of how to live together as we go forward through this time. There will probably be masks for a while yet. There will be political debates for a while yet. If you're watching the news at all, you know this COVID-19 virus is taking different shapes and forms already in Great Britain and Europe. And uh, London is locking down for Christmas because of that. We, we have no idea what's ahead of us. But we are called, nonetheless, no matter what is ahead of us, to humble ourselves like our Lord and to walk with one another through this coming year. I'd encourage us to think about how might we do that differently than we did this year. It was a hard year for all of us. We were all stressed. But how might God be calling you in this coming year to live differently, to speak differently, to have a different attitude? or some of those who you found yourself rubbing up against this year. And finally, I'd like us to turn to Luke 2. Luke 2, verse 25. I love this story of this Saint Simeon. Verse 25, now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was upon him. What a powerful, powerful description of an older person at the end of their life. Righteous, devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, meaning their hope still was in God. But though the consolation of Israel seemed so far away, their hope as they entered 2021 was still in God did not waver, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought the child Jesus to do to him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised him, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised. And you could almost hear sense Simeon breathing a sigh of relief, a sigh of promise fulfilled. Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. Folks, where we are going if we can take ourselves back from 2020, if we can step back from 2020 and look at the big picture. A year ago, I would have preached on Paul's 
um, on, on the Apostle Paul and on the, what, what he calls the eschatology of God. That God is moving somewhere. That God's kingdom is ahead of us. 2020 hasn't changed that. 2020 hasn't put a dent in God's plans. The kingdom is still coming. The new heaven and earth are still ahead of us. In fact, it might just be that because of 2020, those things are going to happen more quickly than we had anticipated. If our minds aren't thinking about that, then we don't have open minds these days. The kingdom is still coming. And what Simeon describes in verses 29 to 32 may not have been possible for us individually or as a church or as a world had 2020 not come. That is, 2020 was on God's, it was in his playbook. Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people. A light for revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory to your people Israel. Simeon understood that it was in waiting, it was enduring, in enduring, it was in persisting, that the glory of God would be revealed. I've been quoting a lot these days from Isaiah 40, that it is our task as followers of Jesus to tear down the mountains, to raise the valleys, to make the rough places plain, the crooked places straight, so the glory of God can be revealed to all people. That hasn't changed. It is still our responsibility in the midst of whatever crisis we're experiencing to be God's light and salvation to the world around us. Lord Jesus, as we close this day, this morning's message, I ask that your spirit would drive deep into our hearts what it is that you want us to think about, reflect on as we close out 2020. I pray that we would not just get by with 2020 and say it's done, it's over, but that we would ask some some questions in your presence. The one who doesn't shame us, the one who doesn't condemn us, but the one who does challenge us, convict us, transform us. We would not be afraid to ask these questions knowing that salvation lies ahead of us yet, that the glory of God lies ahead of us. And it may just be that because of 2020, it's that salvation that's revealed to us even more quickly and your glory more quickly, either personally or as a church in the world. And so God, I just commit these people to you. I pray that all of us together would walk with you, be faithful to you. I pray that you would bring grace upon us in this season, peace upon us, and that we would be your light and your salvation to the world around us that you so loved and so love still. In Jesus' name, amen.
one more time. Would you stand with me?